Time for this week's edition of the Source Weekly Update, out of the press and into your ear. Every week, found wherever you get audio. And now, let's take a look at some of our highlights from Volume 25, Issue 32, dated August 8th. From our feature section, At Home on Public Lands. Dispersed recreation could help with overuse issues, a first step toward that goal, and education into how the public can use its lands. By Nicole Vulcan. A first step toward that goal, an education into how the public can use its lands. By Nicole Vulcan. Many people turn to the outdoors as a form of relaxation, a way to get away from it all, to get away more specifically from other humans. Some balk at seeing and hearing other humans in the wilderness. So, tension arises because the public lands upon which most recreation takes place belong not just to one person, but to the American people as a whole. It might suck to have your moment of repose interrupted by the call of another human, but that person has just as much right to be there as anyone else. The Wilderness Act of 1964, which set aside 9.1 million acres of wilderness areas across the United States, introduced the notions of increasing population accompanied by expanding settlement and growing mechanization, and set aside those lands in their natural condition in order to secure for present and future generations the benefits of wilderness. Those wilderness areas are just a portion of the state, federal, and locally managed public lands where anyone is allowed to recreate and even camp out for extended periods of time, often for free. As Lisa Machnick, Staff Officer for Recreation, Lands, and Partnerships on the Deschutes National Forest puts it, Part of the discussion always comes down to, these are public lands and they're open to all. As the population and tourism numbers in Central Oregon continue to grow, questions around how to handle overuse will continue to arise. One solution for officials at the Deschutes and Willamette National Forests lies in limiting use and introducing a permit quota system at certain popular trailheads starting in 2020. Another solution? A public that's educated around its right to use public lands, which could become even more invested in the land's future and more involved in its care. A picture of overuse. It's a typical summer Saturday, the trails are primed after a quick rain, the sun beats into every crevice, the snow-capped mountains and cerulean lakes are beckoning. And next to the Green Lakes trailhead, the visitor is greeted with 100 other cars, which carried in the visitor's many trail companions for the hike ahead. It seems like that final one that have many Central Oregonians aiming to put up the full sign along the Cascade Lakes Highway every summer. And it's why the Green Lakes Trailhead is one of a handful of sites slated to fall under the new permit system starting next year. Finding that balance between allowing people unfettered access allowing them the freedom to find new places and explore versus getting to the point where we need to take managerial action because too many people have found those places, it's a really tricky thing, said Kevin Larkin, district ranger for the DNF's Bend Fort Rock Ranger District. In my experience, at least, it's only been achievable on a case-by-case, site-by-site, location-by-location basis. DNF spans 1.7 million acres, just one part of a vast system of public lands held in trust for the enjoyment of the American people, for the preservation of wild places and, increasingly, under the Trump administration, for resource extraction. According to data compiled by the Center for American Progress, through a series of executive orders, the current president has removed protections for over 13,498 million acres of public land, 
the majority of which involve mineral withdrawals. Between the Forest Service's lands and the roughly 1.5 million acres managed by the Prineville District Office of the Bureau of Land Management, Bend, Redmond, and Sisters are literally sandwiched by public lands, representing a nearly endless span of opportunity to recreate somewhere that doesn't involve battling the other cars parked precariously along the Cascade Lakes Highway. In general, I don't think that a good portion of the American public understand the opportunities they have to go and camp off the beaten path a little bit, dispersed and experience their public lands in a very different environment, says Jeff Kitchens, field manager for the BLM's Deschutes Resource Area, part of the Prineville office. The number of places like that is endless, he said. And from our news desk, DA cautiously optimistic with budget result. Hybrid solution involves some new staff, some work changes by Hillary Corrigan. District Attorney John Hummel is looking forward to seeing how a creative solution plays out after a back and forth with the Deschutes County Board of Commissioners in the spring, overfunding he requested for nearly a dozen new positions. We ended up in a good place, Hummel said. Hummel had argued that due to a high workload, his office was not representing victims of crime well, and that guilty people were acquitted at times because the office was not well prepared. He had sought 11 new positions, including four attorneys and more victims' advocates and trial assistants. He complained that the county's proposed budget in the spring lacked sufficient funding for the positions needed in a fast-growing county with a lot of visitors. And he warned that funding no new positions would mean the office would stop prosecuting many low-level cases and cut back on some of its other services. Funding only some of the spots, Hummel said, would force the office to prioritize serious cases over lower-level ones. At the end of June, commissioners approved a county budget that provides the DA's office with about $7.8 million, funding five new positions, two deputy district attorneys, two trial assistants, and an administrative supervisor. Grant money will fund a sixth position, a victim's advocate. The total county budget for fiscal year 2020, running from July 1, 2019 to June 30, 2020, is more than $428.1 million with an operating budget of about $227.8 million. In retrospect, I'm pleased with this result, Hummel said, calling it a hybrid that led to reducing only some services. Post-budget approval, the DA's office will not prosecute misdemeanor driving while suspended crimes for those with zero or one prior convictions. The office will also develop guidelines with the probation department so that probation officers resolve probation violations rather than sending them to the DA's office to prosecute. And finally, from ArtWatch, our art column. New gallery opens in Prineville. Rimrock Gallery showcases fine art reflective of the West by T. Fly Peterson. The doors of a new gallery opened up this past weekend in Prineville, and the community came out to celebrate. Pamela Claflin, who started Ben's Mockingbird Gallery in 1989 and sold it in 2007, is behind the new venture. Rimrock Gallery is located on the corner of Northwest 3rd and Deer Streets in downtown Prineville. The space is filled with art that truly showcases the beauty of the community it is in. 21 artists are currently represented in the gallery. They come from a variety of places, though a significant number are from Oregon. All of the artists have over 30 years of experience, and it shows. The work is varied in technique and approach, but all is of an immaculate quality, hanging together like a perfectly woven story, which truly showcases Claflin's knowledge of not just art, but also of Prineville. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Source Weekly Podcast. 
For more information on these and other stories, pick up the latest copy of The Source Weekly for free wherever you find yourself in Central Oregon, and also visit bensource.com. I'm Sam Scholl.